0: This episode of AVXL was recorded on June 5th, 2020. We're gonna talk about HBO Max, HDMI cables, the new Sonos Arc, why empty rooms sound awful, a pile of your viewer questions, and the ominous threat of CES 2021. Don't forget to ask at AVXL if you got a question for us. Testing, one, two, three. All right,
1: I'm not blowing anything out.
0: Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Welcome to Excel, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear no matter what your budget is. I'm Patrick Norton. Hey, I am Robert Heron. It has been an exciting week, that's all I'm going to say. Not only because of all the madness around coronavirus and moving into the new house. A whole bunch of protesting. Protesting.
1: I see the youth of my local community coming out in force in positive ways that I have never seen before. It's all tragic, but at the same time promising. There's just so much bad news out there that I'm kind of... Happy to see some good things in my own hood.
0: Something to be said for good things happening near home. Positive change, baby. Questionable change. Uh, CES has decided that it will, gosh darn it, have not just a virtual but a physical event in 2021 in Las Vegas. Given that between the two of us, Robert and I have come down with CES-based kennel cough, flus, I've caught strep there twice. I'm a little uptight about going to Las Vegas for uh, CES in 2021 but we'll see we'll see how things feel at that point that's I'm just going to say that right now having flown recently that was a little uptight oh. uh, but I didn't get sick well I had the N95 mask on I kind of sterilized myself tried to fall asleep before takeoff at the advice of a firefighter friend of mine who had to fly at kind of peak COVID shutdown, he's like, yeah, I just fell asleep. It was the easiest way to not be annoyed by having the mask on for five hours.
1: (laughs) That's a good point. I can't recall the last time I was in a plane. It's been just long enough now, (laughs) so I can't imagine what air travel's like. But regarding CES, I missed last year's show or the January show due to being extremely sick with likely what's going around. It took me a month, month and a half to get over that. I was able to work remotely to cover that for my own interests. I can't picture me going back for 2021. Mm -hmm. I will probably give it one year. Probably not a bad idea. However, they did reopen the casinos yesterday and people flooded that. Well, got to get your gamble on. People love to lose money. People love to lose money. It's one thing if you think you have some resistance to it and you're able to, you know, wear a mask and protect yourself as much as possible. It's another thing if you have to do it and you may be compromised uh, physically in some way where it could make you more susceptible. Or if you're pretty sure you haven't been exposed to it, that's a good way just to get a taste
0: of what's going around, unfortunately. Well, wear your mask. That helps a lot. Wash your hands lots. It does. Not that we are medical professionals. But we read a lot. (laughs) Speaking of reading, HBO Max launched this week $14.99 a month, which makes it a little spendy for a streaming service competing with Amazon Prime, Netflix and all the others. Uh, It's essentially HBO Go slash now, plus all the Warner and DC back catalog, ton of movies, ton of television shows, Game of Thrones, Friends, Big Bang Theory. Folks are incredibly excited on the internet. All the Harry Potter movies are all there and streaming. For me, what really makes it attractive is all the Studio Ghibli back catalog, all 21 films, all the Miyazaki stuff, Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service. There's a great article on the New York Times kind of doing the backstory of this deal. Uh, Ghibli's never streamed before. But HBO Max's chief content officer uh, is quoted as saying, when we were closing the South Park deal, Trey Parker and Matt Stone said, hey, man, that really meant something to us when you brought in Ghibli. And... I'm, I've am i been a fan of South Park On and off for years uh, We introduced our oldest child to it uh, oh In a hotel room about six or eight months ago It was pretty hysterical um, He was like, what's this? And I look at my wife, my wife kind of shrugged her shoulders And we let him watch We had to explain the sort of backstory on Kenny So he didn't get too upset uh, South Park starts on HBO Max on the 27th But I was just kind of giggling that, you know Trey and Matt, the creators of Basketball You know, I was envisioning them like weeping uh, you know, uh, the tears coming down their faces while they're watching My Neighbor Totoro or Kiki's Delivery Service because uh, that just makes me laugh. Pretty cool. Oddity about HBO Max. It's a week old. There are no signs of Roku or Amazon Fire apps, which is incredibly annoying given it currently runs Android TV, Apple TV, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Samsung TV, 2016 or later, uh, Android phones and tablets, at least if you have OS 5 or later, Chromebooks, Chromecast, iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch with iOS 12.2, PC and Mac computers in the browser. Apparently, the Roku and the Fire TV apps are ready, but the deals between AT&T, Warner Media, and the two platforms are, quote, yet to be finalized. Of course. Hint, Amazon wants all of their content inside of Prime, or at least subscribable inside of Prime. We wait with bated breath for the apps to ship. I'm also kind of curious if this is going to eventually replace HBO Go. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of phase out HBO Go into HBO Max. Apparently, HBO Max is already available for some folks with HBO Now. Uh, go to hbomax.com to check that out, because you may be able to get this amazing service in concert with whatever you're paying your cable company for your streaming, and uh, that would be kind of a nice treat. Uh, I am still dealing with getting my beloved Netgear Orbi router in here. I have gigabit uh, fiber to the house, which is fantastic, because it's symmetrical, it's uncapped, I'm super oh. excited, it's not incredibly overpriced. But AT and T forces you to use their horrendous AT and T Wi Fi router. So when I have the patience, I'm going to work through, you know, t- basically turning off the Wi Fi on that and getting my beloved uh, Netgear Orbi Mesh system up and running again. And Bridge mode also- is your friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a it's a brick house with a lot of really thick plaster on the walls, so. Uh, the radio and the receiver in the in the router from AT&T is not impressing me. I'll just leave it at that. And once I'm impressed with the Wi-Fi performance in my house, I'll start looking at the video quality in HBO Max, which will probably be exactly the same as HBO Go, but I have hopes that they don't compress it at quite so 15 badly. 15 a
1: month, that's a buck cheaper than I pay for the full-blown 4K Netflix feed I receive. Oh, wow. And I'm wondering... I assume for 15 a month from HBO Max, that would include 4K HDR content and things like that. Uh, I, I would expect you wouldn't have to pay more to receive that if you have an appropriate device to receive it, uh, be it your game console or a compatible TV or what have you, but
0: still, Yeah, there's no 4K HDR streaming for HBO Max. Then that price is... <sighs> Spendy. Yeah, that's getting up there. At least... By paying
1: well, sixteen a month, I believe I'm paying with Netflix. Yeah. That gives me the four simultaneous
0: 4K streams with yeah. some well, content
1: in Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision, that kind of thing.
0: Netflix is, I think, sixteen bucks a month for HDR, 4K HDR, which is three bucks a month more than the 1080p plan. Um, I need it for testing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and I absolutely yeah, there's love. There's no.
0: It. There's no 4K HDR or Atmos content at all in HBO Max. They have set it as a priority. They're I hope so. Yeah,
1: because that's a, that's a premium price, and I expect the best streaming quality possible for that kind of money. Granted, with something like South Park, though, it's so odd where South Park seems to end up. It was, well, first it was a... <laughs> They had their own website with their own publishing, and you could see everything there. And then eventually Hulu had it as the exclusive for all episodes. And now it seems that at least some of it, whatever the actual South Park deal will be, hopefully it includes everything. So you can yeah. literally, if you're spending the money with HBO Max, you can at least enjoy that back catalog of awesomeness.
0: <laughs> I was laughing because uh, we wanted uh, my my oldest to see Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I wasn't really thinking and purchased season one from the iTunes store. And I had this moment of panic. I'm like, oh, is that the pan and scan or the four by three version? <laughs> and I was like, it comes up and it's four by three. And I was like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, and then the next thought I had was, wow, I really need to pre-download this. And, because it's, Joss Whedon has, has said that one of the reasons they have never really done a Blu-ray version of that series is because, especially in the first couple of seasons, they were they were, had such a tight budget, they used pretty much the cheapest film stock they could buy, and the night scenes are incredibly dark and incredibly grainy, and I was kept in one of those moments where I was just like, oh, this is brutal! And it gets better as time goes by.
1: no comments one of the benefits at least of modern cinematography is the use of more digital equipment at least saving some of that original file just so Mm. if down the road if fortunate enough that somebody put it somewhere safe it can be repurposed and put out at even a better quality presentation through something like blu-ray or more streaming or whatever but yeah, there's a lot of classic content out there that simply will never get the uh, magic touch because of the source material just simply being either degraded or never that great to begin with for, for the yeah. early days of a lot of older projects.
0: So It's going to be interesting to watch that one. Having a conversation with a neighbor recently, I just want to remind everybody, we talk about this a lot, but it's it's probably been two or three months since we've we've outright said it bluntly and plainly just buy your hdmi cables from monoprice or amazon don't spend stupid money on hdmi cables Uh, monoprice has some great cables at ridiculously low prices pretty much any length you want. They also have HDMI over Ethernet adapters. If for some reason you need to do a ridiculously long length between HDMI sources and uh, your screen. Also, Amazon Basics, they do an excellent cable for the money. Uh, A little bit slower than we'd like on the delivery these days because, you know, the entire mail order system of the universe has done like 10 years of growth in three months. But uh, uh, again... Don't spend $100 on a 10 foot cable. You're oh, not getting my goodness, anything no. better. Yeah. I saw, actually saw like a $100 HDMI cable recently and was just like, what? Those still exist? I Why? was looking at a $200 cable, but it was like a 100 <laughs> foot fiber
1: cable that could do 8K. <laughs> okay, that, I'm, that I'm digging. <laughs> so that, that's the deal. Yeah. If for anything 10 foot or shorter, just hit up MonoPrice, buy their fastest cable. They also offer some rather thin cables too. So if, If you're not doing an exceptionally long run, you can have a a thin cable design that doesn't even require active amplification or basically active chipsets on each end of the cable itself. They can just be standard. Amazon cables, I've used a ton of those over the years. They're great, but I usually tend to go look at monoprice first. One I love the way that, A, it was a cable company kind of to begin with. Right. Their organization on their website makes it super easy just to get right to the the top-spec cables, and they are generally no more expensive than anything that isn't the top-spec rated in terms of having up to 48 gigabit, full 4K, HDR. Uh, for things like eARC coming up or just making sure your cable can support ARC period if it happens to be a really old HDMI cable and given the cost it it is one of those things where if you're having an issue with a device connected to a display that's one of the very first things you should swap out is with a brand new cable if possible to do a quick test to make sure it is not that i have seen the terminated ends on premium cables quote-unquote premium cables Actually, fail remarkably fast. Right, that is something I see less of, or little to n- not at all, with cables from Monoprice or Amazon. In particular, the Amazon Basics cables. That's about the lowest end I'm going. Period. And then Monoprice for everything else.
0: There was a point where th- where there was kind of this massive brick of plastic around the HDMI plug connected to a massive, oversized, you know, we're trying to make our cable look like it's worth the ridiculous money you spent for it. Uh, it was a very stiff cable. And, you know, people would jam them behind their AV stacks, and the end result was the radius would be too tight on the cable. It would put too much pressure on this giant piece of plastic, and it would either sort of crack things inside the giant plastic enclosure, or it would start damaging the HDMI ports on the back of your AVR or your, your Blu-ray player. I have seen... A handful of TVs with damaged HDMI ports from
1: overly stiff cables being installed or utilized in inappropriate ways, where the room simply wasn't there.
0: Things have mellowed out since
1: then, thankfully. If you are dealing, too, with tight fits and you need to go 90 degrees at the end of a cable, rather than try to force it, they make great little adapters, either 180 or 270 they call them, where yeah. you, you can get that angle uh, of that corner just the way you need it for your particular mm-hmm. TV. And once you kind of figure that out, you can get like a handful of those things for 10 bucks, And it can make that connection nice and easy, or easier. Put
0: less strain on your cable. Once I realized that uh, Monoprice had had incredibly short cables, like 12-inch HDMI cables. I redid all of my cables in my AV closet at that point, and everything was like an appropriate length. They didn't have giant lengths of cable dripping around everywhere, and it was, uh, it was incredibly satisfying from a nerdly anal-retentive standpoint. <laughs> I 100% agree with that. I've
1: had that same experience, and it's just nice to be able to clean that up and mm-hmm. use the least cable... As possible for a couple of reasons. Uh, Also, just simply by keeping the length short, you're not dealing with potential signal loss, especially for higher bandwidth content. And especially when you start trying to push over 15 feet with a, with a regular cable, that's where you you can run into some issues sometimes uh, depending on the quality of termination and the the, the source bit rate and things like that in terms of if it's going to work or not. So sticking to that 10 foot length or less. And then other than that, that, that kind of gets you out of the whole specialty cable side of things. And you can stick to affordable brands and keep a spare around, like I said, just for the quick test. Right. I guarantee you, at some point, a cable will fail or it will be that point And it'll be nice to have that backup ready to go.
0: It's <laughs> good to have an extra cable. Yeah. You got ears on the Sonos Arc, the latest soundbar from Sonos. It is big. It incorporates Dolby Atmos what you think? I absolutely love it. Coming from someone who
1: was using the Sonos Beam, which is their smaller soundbar that's still available, I never had an opportunity to sit down with the Playbar, their current and now to-be-discontinued previous large soundbar. The design itself, I think, is just a fantastic update compared to where things looked in Sonos's product lineup even a week ago, or a week ago, prior to this product. <laughs> And that new curved design is, I think, it just looks better in more environments. You can get it in black or white. I, I prefer, personally, prefer the black one just because it it tends to match more TVs that I deal with, and it stays out of your way visually. But the extra width, being ten inches wider than the play bar, that separation is noticeable. That that stereo separation, whether you're listening to just regular CD audio let alone when you switch into something that is multi-channel, be it a surround soundtrack or Dolby Atmos. It has, I believe, 11 drivers in this thing. It has a, an incredible amount of speakers, including a couple upfiring ones. Dedicated Welcome. side speakers that are providing that nice stereo separation. That was the very first thing I noticed when I hooked this up and started going through my audio CDs and regular content on TV, as well as disc-based movies and premium streaming content. I have nothing but praise for the overall sound quality. The clarity, if there's one thing that I could say is it's it's significantly different from the Beam. The Beam is a warmer sounding speaker because it's a more compact design. There's, there's just less room to move air. And by having this simply larger speaker, it does a much better job at, I'm not gonna say it's a cold sounding speaker, it's very detailed the extra drivers just provide that thump I really love with the content I enjoy. If you have a mid to larger sized room, it is something I would really want to pair with their subwoofer. So I know they're going through a redesign on that. I don't know if that's even out yet, but that is something I would consider adding if I had a large, large mid to large size room. But otherwise, I found this thing to be plenty loud for a mid to smaller sized rooms, even a even a larger room, audio quality-wise with things like Dolby Atmos soundtracks, Mm -hmm. it really did a fantastic job of going from, say, just standard stereo listening with good separation to something that literally was pushing the sound well outside of the screen you're looking at. It really went a long way toward providing that experience with a single unit in terms of a multi-channel, some height representation as well as the great stereo separation. And that set of drivers aiming right through the center, that center channel they have created with uh, some tweeters and drivers right in the middle. I never once had felt the need to ever enable anything like closed captioning. In certain Mm -hmm. shows with certain TVs, I find the audio quality so bad that I'll end up literally turning on closed captioning just to make sure I can understand what the presentation is this changed all of that. Now, I was testing it with a relatively new TV, the C9 OLED from LG that features eARC support, as well as, I will admit, decent audio for TV speakers. But the upgrade, as soon as you flip that on, you suddenly go, okay, this is this is room-filling warmth. It does have the AI assistant built in, and the if you want to utilize those features as well, totally not needed or necessary. It also incorporates the latest Sonos app support. You've got access to their new radio station, as well as other content that'll be coming soon. Nice. I probably wouldn't buy this unless I had a TV that supported eARC, a newer TV, something that could deliver that full bandwidth to that soundbar.
0: You'll be doing compressed 5.1. You'll be doing compressed 7.1. You won't be able to do any Atmos or DTSX over Toslink over HDMI ARC. So you really, if you want, especially if you want that Atmos, you need HDMI with eARC coming out of your television utilizing that setup i could literally
1: connect the blu-ray player to the tv it would feed that dolby atmos right back through the e-arc right into the right into the arc and it worked perfectly i had absolutely no problems with it it's just such a sonic upgrade going from say something like the beam which is something i've always appreciated in its own right but this for anybody with a 55 inch screen or larger which i think this is just about perfect for it is just the right width to just provide an expansive room filling sound really. And if you can pair it with that (laughs) sub, granted, you're talking about probably 1500 bucks at that point, but that's a solid, simple to set up system that you can with an iOS device, calibrate it yourself for that particular room and not really think about it again. It just, it kind of stays out of the way. Right. And I still love Sonos's app for accessing my incredible ripped CD collection and things like that. Uh, I'm not much on the streaming music side of things, but that support is all there as well for personal libraries that I've accumulated over the years it is the most wonderful thing just to have that thing shuffle play 10 20,000 tracks
0: <laughs> yeah we uh, we use it a lot with the streaming services we use it with a library um I just bought a couple new sets of Sono speakers to install in the house. The the new SL, which is the new version of the one that doesn't have the voice assistant built in because my wife will pretty much throw anything that can talk back to her, other than the children and myself, out of the house. Those Uh, (laughs) could be used
1: as rear channels with this setup. So if you wanted, you could go with
0: the wireless sub, a couple of the rear channels, Mm -hmm. and... Once I finish drying out this basement, the projection screen is going to go over there. Uh, I'm looking at a Epson 4K or the entry level JVC which fortunately is available for a lot less than the MSRP of $6000 but still probably more than I can justify but I'm going to be doing I'm going to be doing a big fat 7.1.2 or 7.1.4 system in here cuz I the nice thing about an open ceiling beams is I can I can make those Atmos speakers Really nice. easy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Having there. high channels is the way to go. If you can, if you can pull it off uh, in a room, and it looks like you can, baby, we'll find out. A lot of concrete in here too.
1: <laughs> Thrilled with the arc. Couldn't be more happy about it. It's just I feel it's made for newer TVs, and it, it, you're going to get your yep. best bang for the buck pairing it with something specifically that supports. I would say something made in the last year or two, couple of years. You're good to go. Okay,
0: so television with earc now or you plan to upgrade to a television with earc in the Heck near yeah, future but
1: it's a i think sense. it's a worthy upgrade
0: and to people i have
1: spoken with who have spent a lot of time with the previous play bar as well as the arc mm-hmm. even they were just like okay this is this is significantly better than it has been yeah uh, to go back one last thing on the design they had this cover it's a basically a cylindrical tube apparently they drilled 70,000 plus holes drilled whole cover that goes over this thing really it it looks beautiful it's also it does away with all the fabric and things that used to be used on previous designs so i think it's a little more durable Uh, my only question is i need (laughs) to see it has a mode specific for being wall mounted or mounted to a tv and my next my next project is simply to get that thing attached to my articulating wall mount
0: so i don't have it just like sitting too far away it's always exciting to figure out stuff out Buying from Best Buy is a little odd right now, at least uh, in the last couple of places I've seen. You essentially order online and pick up at the store, or you order online and have them shipped to your house. Uh, or in my case, I saw one that was open as I was traveling from another location, and I asked nicely at the front door if they had the Sono Sub in stock because along with the ARC, they have a next-generation Sonos sub, which is essentially the same Sonos sub, but with a more powerful computer attached to it. So they are closing out on the previous sub. So they're taking 100-plus off the cost of the original Sonos sub, uh, which will still work when they go to the 2.0 software upgrade or the next-generation software. So I figured I'd pick one of those up uh, to finally have the low-end base that my children desire. I did it for the children, Robert, not for myself. (laughs) There is no better reason. <laughs> and they're probably still young enough not to completely destroy your gear yet, at least <laughs> at least not on purpose. The biggest challenge <laughs> I had was when one of our neighbors' children decided to ram his car into the aluminum woofer on a pair of my Elac speakers. We had a conversation with his parents oh. about that. You remember back in the tech
1: TV days, we had that one contest winner who uh, had his whole house wired, and we had to go down there and set it up. He won like $100,000 worth of gear, and we went down there and wired the whole house. We had these Uh beautiful B&W home theater speakers, the beautiful (laughs) aluminum-coned tweeter, and the dad wanted to leave all the covers off because of how cool these speakers looked. First thing the kid did was walk over and just push that tweeter (laughs) in. (laughs) it just crumpled and dad just started he called us crying and it was like the company was cool enough to swap it out it was you know it's a relatively easy fix for them but still it was like oh no no
0: no terrible children i would love to see how that house is still holding up actually after all this time but that was a long time ago yes it was Oh my goodness! Uh, I'll talk about more about it a little bit next week. I just want to say that empty rooms, when you first move into a house, suck for audio because you get all the reflections. At least if the room is like sheetrock or stone or concrete, or in the case of the room I'm in now, a combination of sheetrock, cinder block, and concrete. Sound can be absorbed, transmitted, reflected, or diffused. Uh, having all reflections, which is you know. An empty room, an entry an empty sheetrock room is really, really bad. Uh, that's where you get a lot of slapback echo. Uh, you know, you, you get horrible reflections at the high end. Um, all absorption is is really bad too. But a mixture of absorption and diffusion is what you're looking for. Upholstered furniture, carpets, uh, having books or other wall hangings um, covering, you know, sh- big expanses of of glass, like sliding glass doors or large windows with cotton or wool curtains. All of these things make a huge difference. Uh, You want kind of a balance of absorption and diffusion and plain walls. Um, The really big one you want to watch out for is the first order reflections, which can happen by having the speaker too close to a hard wall with nothing absorbent behind it, or if you have a hardwood floor, this is a really bad one, or a concrete floor, that first point, like there's a mirror trick where you sit in your listening position and you have someone slide a mirror until you can see the speaker in the mirror and that's the first point of reflection on the floor and the floor and the walls making sure there's something either there that absorbs it like a throw rug or carpeting something on the wall that diffuses it like bookshelves or cabinet or something can make an absolutely huge difference and i just can't wait for the floors to finish drying because we you know we we had the floors redone because the floors were a nightmare when um, we moved in here, and uh, I'm waiting for them to finish, like the polyurethane to finish setting, so I can put a carpet down and shelves in and radically change the acoustic signature of the uh, of the main living room in you the house. You are dealing with an
1: unfinished space. It will soon be finished.
0: Yes, and I probably don't be have patient. anything left to talk about next week on that. But just you know. Something to think about, you know. If you can clap your hands and you you feel all that echo, that slap back echo, that reflection, it's amazing. Just putting two acoustic panels on the ceiling, and they make them now where it's essentially fiberglass in a frame you can hang from the ceiling. They cover them with fabric so that you can pick a color that'll actually blend or contrast nicely with the furnishings, the primary colors in the room. Covering just 10% of a ceiling can eliminate a lot of massive problems in a room. Uh, Cathedral ceilings are a whole other problem we'll talk about when one of you emails ask at avxl.com, but uh, a little bit of absorption and diffusion can make a huge difference in making your audio sound better. I agree. I wouldn't go crazy with it. (laughs) <laughs> you, you, no. don't, you don't need to stop every reflection
1: and create a total dead room. A dead little bad. goes a long way. Yeah. What you said at the very top, having that blank room is the worst case scenario. So just, yeah. just do your standard decorations first, how you <laughs> want the room to look. Then you might need to tweak a few things here and there. Just a thought there. Yeah. I just say real quick, I also ran across a new LG... 4K projector, a 4K projector, DLP based, but it uses RGB LEDs. And it was really? about $1800. They have a fourth LED though that is what they call like super green, which I assume is just a more saturated green for use in content that requires, you know, maybe HDR or wide color gamut content as well. But that that price point it doesn't have much in the way of, like, lens shift or even a terrific zoom on it or anything like that. It really is up to where you place it. But as a quiet ceiling-mounted projector, it might be something worth considering, given that budget. Anyway, that's about 1800 bucks right now. I'll dig up some more info on that and okay. see if I can get a... Review of that. I've always been appreciative of projector system designs that incorporate LEDs with a DLP RGB right. LED in particular, because that typically eliminates the need for a spinning color wheel, which is another potential problem or another moving part. Having that extra wide color gamut on this particular LG is something uh, something I might have to actually request and get in for a little extra testing. I'm always curious to see how bright are the current crop of LED projectors. The other crazy thing about LED projectors, in particular with a DLP style imaging system, is the fact that they can when they turn off, when they flash off, it is pitch black. There is no lamp still running being blocked. It is the LED simply pulsing in sync with the chip itself. That can deliver in the appropriate room environment some incredible contrast, which goes for your colour pop and everything else related to. Just beautiful imagery. Yeah. I want to see a couple of tests on this particular projector first to make sure it is what I think it is. But, no. <laughs> but that that seems like a good price for what it is. And that would be something that would probably last minimum 20,000 hours with no lamp to replace.
0: Probably a lot longer. I feel like the $1,800 one is actually a 1080p projector and not a 4K projector. Could be. But we will... Uh, I will dig it up. We will find out. That's for next week. We wait with bated breath. Yes. Yes. Got a viewer question from Douglas. He messaged us on Patreon. He says, hey, guys, just discovered the show a few weeks ago. I've listened to you guys for years when you appeared on another podcast. I'm just starting the process of updating my 10-year-old home theater system, so I was happy to discover this show of yours. Anyway, I just got a new 77-inch LG OLED TV, the 2020 GX model. Very cool. What would your recommendation for an AVR receiver for under 5,000 to go with it? I have a 7.1 rear speaker configuration, but I'm thinking about getting some Atmos speakers for the ceiling. Thanks in advance. DC. Man, you can spend a lot of money on an AVR. You can spend staggering amounts of money on an AVR, but Denon and Ankyo both make killer AVRs for under $2,000. That will deliver more than enough performance for the vast majority of everybody on the planet. Wirecutter's got a really nice uh, write-up on the best receiver that I want to say Chris Hynonen put this one together. And there's a basic entry-level... Dan and AVR, the S750H, which has 7.1, supports Dolby Atmos, DTS encoding. I think it's $500 now. And that'll cover the vast majority of of everybody out there listening. If you want to step up to $1,500, the AVR X3600H is going to give you better sound quality. It's got uh, Odyssey X32 room correction, which is really really interesting. Um, It has two additional amp channels for surround or overhead speakers, which is really compelling for you in this case, Douglas, because it'll give you some more power to deal with putting speakers in the ceiling. If your AVR is older, one of the nice things about newer AVRs is you no longer have something that has a sort of of like 1986 copying a video pretending to be DOS kind of horrendous interface Uh, they actually have interfaces that look like they belong in the 21st century when you're like trying to you know name channels or or change settings and stuff I'm also seeing too with the newer AVRs is the ability Mm -hmm. on the more premium
1: ones at least uh, to also calibrate the subwoofer and to do it really well in terms of incorporating that in terms of the real audio setup so yes can make a big difference
0: making sure you at least your basic sub setup is pretty close <laughs> one of the big challenges is if you're trying to do four uh Atmos speakers overhead and i i kind of i it's uh oh no it looks like the uh avr x3600h may be end of life so we'll have to find out the next version of that one i just saw um, denon put out some new products just the other day so
1: i was looking through their different price tiers and it was right around that fifteen hundred dollar price point where that had just about everything i wanted and really the question came down to do i want like 11 channel support or 13 channel support thinking about what the room you want it to be eventually mm-hmm for right now, it also incorporates all of the HDCP, HDMI technologies that will should keep you good to go for quite a while at this point yeah. regarding your 4K and beyond content or game consoles now supporting HDR in and, and higher and higher resolutions.
0: Looking at Denon's website, it looks like a lot of stuff is out of stock currently, which is a little frustrating. I
1: didn't even realize they made a 77-inch version of the GX panel. That's that gallery design 4K mm-hmm. OLED that's about 2 centimeters thick. It doesn't have the traditional bulge with the ultra-thin panel. It's like one right. solid slab with a special bracket that it comes with, that lets it mount flush to a, uh, a wall completely. So there is no gap. Oh, wait, a TV stand is not included, but a wall mount bracket comes with a purchase. Yes, yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> it, it is made to actually be wall mounted flush and flat and right. look like a piece of artwork, practically.
0: That's a sweet TV. I'll also point out, it looks like they're just starting to ship the 2020 uh, AVR X3700H and the X4700H H. Which are both 9.2 channel HKAV receivers, so that would be the uh, those would be the ones to look out for, Douglas, because uh, I also mentioned that because given that your your speakers are probably in pretty good shape, uh, depending on you know what speaker system they are. Speakers haven't evolved as much in the last 10 years, but subwoofers have made huge leaps in performance. To me, I'd like. You know, a fifteen hundred dollar AVR, your Atmos speakers, and updating your subwoofer might be a, a real much better use of that money than spending all five thousand dollars on an AVR. Uh, Shoe and SVS have great subwoofers. RSL Speedwoofer is a personal fave. sells for under five hundred dollars. Uh, does a fantastic job. Uh, or maybe doing a dual subwoofer system if your if your home theater is in a really large room. And you know, if you know, depending on what kind of speakers you have, you may want to consider upgrading those speakers. Um, but it's—you uh, don't need to spend five grand on an AV receiver. Uh, Fifteen hundred will probably take care of most everything you need to do, and that'll leave you money to upgrade some other things that'll impact your home theater experience a little bit more. Sweet. Want to talk about HDR peak luminance? Heck yeah! <laughs> One of my favorite um, things. M. Balders uh, reached out on Patreon and says, Hey, guys, hope you're staying safe. We are. So where should one set their UHD player's HDR peak luminance, and what should that number be based on? More specifically, I've got a Panasonic OLED and a Panasonic UB820, a JVC RS420, an Oppo 203. Both displays have been calibrated. Both disc players allow for adjusting the peak brightness output, but I'm wondering what that value should be and how it's determined. Thanks.
1: I would stick with an experiment one for say your oled you can either look up what the benchmark numbers are related to what your picture preset settings are effectively you want to know what is the peak luminance of that display and then set that player accordingly look at how that picture is so say in the case of the panasonic oled it's probably very similar to what lg is doing so it's going to be in about that 750 range if while doing hdr playback with default picture settings uh So, with a number like that in mind, you would set the UBA 20 to do that as the maximum, known maximum output. You know what your TV can do. And then it does the tone mapping for that content to that value. Compare that to just leaving the player at default and then running that right into the TV and let the TV's built-in tone mapping take care of it now maybe in the case of the projector where it, i i highly doubt that has any built-in tone mapping at all it is probably a little more raw in that sense and it might be worth doing that experiment on the oppo 203 in the case of the jvc i would probably do it at luminance output i would probably do it more toward i would experiment with like five six seven hundred nets just to see what the cutoffs, doing the different styles of tone mapping, how that looks in terms mm-hmm. of representation of the peak bright detail. Because effectively, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to like map the brightest details and the darkest details all within the range of that display. There is no one way to do it. There is There are ways of setting that up to where it looks better, even though technically you might not think these settings should be the right way to go. But uh, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit of a black art, but the nice thing is, at least you have that control. If you consider that every movie you look in H- at in HDR is authored to usually seven hundred nits, a thousand nits, or four thousand nits, or some various combo in there, and that that information's encoded in the in the media itself, and then the TV usually, like in the case of the OLED, it will see those code words and say okay this is the type of content i'm dealing with here is the known peak brightness of this particular scene or this frame depending on on the type of content being previewed and then the tv is going to make its own call on it and I would really only change things around if you're not satisfied with that particular display device's default performance. Also, uh, given that setup, it's the projector I'd be more interested in to see if there'd be ways of improving that. I know JVC has incorporated some tone mapping functionality into their latest projectors, and that to Mm -hmm. me is fascinating as hell. And it would just take some of the guesswork out in terms of trying to figure out how to get the best-looking picture for your HDR content on a variety of different displays. For most people, you do not have to mess with any of this, and you're better off just leaving the players at default on regular TVs and simply playing with the presets on the TV of the two or three usually for HDR start there and which one looks best to your eye for the given room lighting conditions and go from there I do appreciate the ability of these players though to actually say hey you know what maybe the tone mapping in your device isn't all that hot or it's fixed at this one value that eh, it's there but it doesn't look great and this gives you some opportunity then to experiment and and put in some corrective values but I would also immediately for any particular display combo setup or display source device setup, go check online It sources like AVS form, see what other people are doing and what some of the recommendations are there in terms of, you know, I, I guarantee people are experimenting, experimenting with this every day, there may be some good relevant information
0: just waiting for you with a quick Google search. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If this is your first episode of AVXL, uh, I'm Patrick Norton. Hey. The other voice you hear is Robert Heron. You can find all of our episodes at avxl.com, along with information on how to subscribe. Or Just search for AVXL on your favorite podcatcher. If you want to help support us, do us a favor, head over to patreon.com slash avxl, and you can chip in monthly to help us keep the show going. we got a full slate scheduled for June, and, uh, man. It's again, June. we appreciate you out there. It's June. Dude.
1: Oh, man
0: it's june and i've rediscovered the joys of humidity it's summer here here in st louis summer is here with a vengeance at least it was yesterday yeah oh my um, goodness scorching hot judging from the sun outside it's back with a vengeance today but uh do us a favor if you got an email question email ask at avxl.com and we want to thank all of you again for listening stay safe stay healthy and uh we'll talk to you soon we'll talk to you next week i'm patrick norton i am robert heron and, yes, we will catch you next week on Excel. <laughs> Adios!